This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. What's up, basketball fans, and welcome to the season premiere of the Raptors Endgame podcast here on Raptors Republic. I'm your host, Lucas Weiss, and I'm pleased to be joined by someone that doesn't need an introduction, but I'll give it to him anyways. He is Mark Spears. He's the senior NBA writer for ESPN's The Undefeated, as well as the co-author of the New York Times recommended Spencer Haywood rulebook. And he joins me on the Raptors Endgame podcast. Mark, welcome. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, man, I, uh, I wish I was in Toronto or Canada doing it with you. <laughs> likewise, likewise. Listen, I mean, I mean, we'll start there. I mean, you know, of course, the Raptors winning the NBA championship in 2019. I'm sure you've been to Toronto many times. Like, what, what are your thoughts on, what are your thoughts on uh, Toronto and, and uh, Canada's, uh, one of Canada's jewel cities? I mean, I love it. Um, uh, my, my first, my first trip to Canada was actually Vancouver, as a mm. and um, when I started covering NBA in '99, actually, I'll never forget my first road trip covering Denver Nuggets was to Vancouver. Oh wow! And I uh, just just fell in love with the city. I, I live in the Bay Area, so Vancouver reminds me of um, San Francisco a lot mm-hmm. in terms of being on the ocean and metropolitan and I love the diversity there, the food, um, great, great Asian food there. Yes. Um, and then I've, I've been back there a few times, uh, even though the, the Grizzlies have left. But I still, you know, remember going to Grizzlies games, man, like, <laughs> with General Motors Center or something like yep. that. And it, it's, to me, a shame that, uh, you know, Vancouver doesn't have a team because I, I didn't think it was there long enough. I didn't think it was given a chance long enough. I think that, you know, from going to a preseason game, Kevin Durant's actually first preseason game with the Warriors was in Vancouver, and it was it was sold out. So um, I know the NBA's talked about expansion. Vancouver's name, I don't know if it's come up at all, but if it was up to me, just just give Seattle and Vancouver the team's back. And I think they're most deserving. Um and then also, you know, I also fell in love with Toronto from the first time I, I've been there. Another place where I love the diversity. The food scene there is outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um uh, I loved having the Caribbean food there. Yep. Um and and just uh the people are just cool, man. The atmosphere is cool. And when I went to the finals, I, I just one thing that always stood out is the passion yep. in which the fans sing Oh Canada man. I was yeah. like, that that brought me chills. You know, that brought me chills. The pride in having the finals, the pride in your country. And uh so I I certainly miss, you know, when you talk about due to the pandemic places I haven't had a chance to go to, I Toronto's definitely in the top three, top five. Um I, I I can't wait to go back. 
Um, but, you know, the world is, is what it is, man. So we'll have to patiently wait. And I wish us down here were doing things as uh, brilliantly in terms of the pandemic that Canada is. We, we certainly could take a lot of lessons from you guys. No doubt. And, and yeah, I mean, like, it's just crazy how, how much the world has changed. I mean, you look at 2019, and, and I, I remember that game one of the NBA Finals, the first O Canada Sun at an NBA Finals and all the Jurassic Parks popping up throughout the country. And now it's it's just non-existent. No fans. The Raptors in Tampa Bay for, for the first part of the season. And and I guess, Mark, for you, I mean, as a reporter, it's, you know... We're, and I'm going to yeah. stop you real quick. Uh, you mentioned Jurassic Park. I think the Warriors, they'll be mad at me saying this, but copied... <laughs> that idea oh interesting we didn't get a chance to see it because they got a new arena but uh outside the chase center where the warriors play is a huge huge screen yeah and it's the only place in san francisco where they allowed such such a screen to exist oh wow i think the hope was that you know there's a lot of restaurants and stuff that they're putting right there uh that are still work in progress because the world has slowed down Mm -hmm. um but I think the hope is like during home games, road games, that people that don't go into the game will congregate and watch games from there, have dinner, and then chill out and watch the rest of the game. No, that's interesting. Like I think it's a it's a great concept. It's certainly great in Toronto. I think the fact that in normal times it it was not a, like a big space; it was very close, so a lot of fans could could pack in there and I remember during the finals like there were people would line up for like a couple days just to get into to, to Jurassic Park so it was a really amazing moment and and here's hoping we, we get back to that once again those atmospheres but Mark I mean for you as as an NBA reporter journalist we're, we're one week into this new NBA season it just feels like yesterday we were watching bubble basketball and now a new season has started. I'm just curious for you, how has your role and sort of changed? I mean, obviously, you know, lots of Zoom calls, lots of Zoom press conferences, not as many one-on-ones, but I guess, you know, the, the, the objective remains the same, trying to tell the best story. I'm, I'm just curious your thoughts as we, you know, embark on the second week of the season. Um. I have to be much more creative. I'm a guy that lives in the locker room. I'm a guy that lives with a walk-off interview. Uh, likes visiting with players, likes visiting with coaches at shoot-arounds. And so I've talked to a couple reporters. If that's where you kind of eat, you know, you kind of feel like you got your legs cut out from mm-hmm. it. Um, I don't want to be on the Zoom with everybody else. So I, I want to get my own interviews and, and get my own time with the subject. And so... It has caused me to be more creative, um, try to get more interviews on the phone. Not that I didn't do that a lot already, but like, for example, living in the Bay Area, I go to a lot of Warriors games. I go to a lot of Kings games. Kings are about 90-minute ride away, depending on traffic. And uh, the the Kings played the Suns on Sunday night. It's like, I could have went, but I didn't go because... I can't have access to anybody and mm-hmm. I could be there and watch it in person. But if I can't have access to anybody, I might as well just watch it on my couch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So 
what's the point of driving two hours if I if I can't see anybody? Um, but that being said, like when the Warriors have home games, if, if I'm in town, I'll drive the eight miles, go to that. And the one benefit of going to a Warriors game right now is you get a free COVID test. Yeah. Take a COVID test going. So I'm like, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well take advantage of that. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it's just caused me to probably squeeze the PR people a lot more than I typically mm. would. Um, and so do a lot of things on Zoom, do a lot of videos where I would be there interviewing them. Like we're doing a James Wiseman diary. I I saw James Wiseman since he's been drafted once from 20 feet away. Hmm. When we did our first diary, it was like this. It was, it was, a it was like a Zoom call. So hopefully at some point we could do the diary in person, but it's very possible that I could do a diary with somebody entire season and actually not even be in their presence. So that's, that's the difference. Yeah. And like, I think it's interesting because obviously teams are allowing limited media members in attendance. Like you mentioned the golden state warriors, but you're right. Like it, it sort of it, it sort of takes away from the experience, especially for someone experienced like yourself that's been covering the NBA for years, knows what it's like when there's a full house in an arena, knows what it's like when there's that you know personal one-on-one locker room experience. Does it make your job less enjoyable now, given that you're just doing this sort of Zoom? you know, press conference video, or do you still, do you still find ways to, 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 to love what you're doing, keep motivated, et cetera? Man, I got a job, brother. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like there's a lot of people not working right now. And I, I've always had this blessing of a job I have in perspective. Mm. I, I write about basketball for a living. Yeah. I get paid to watch games. People like you, for some reason, care to hear what I have to say about it. So uh, I'll never take this for granted, man. I I dreamed of being a sports writer when I was in the seventh grade, made it come true. My passion has always been basketball. So to go to NBA games, to know players, to have players, current and former players that are like friends of mine, um, to to like get a call from Tony Parker or Clyde Drexler. Hey man, what's going on? You, you know what I mean, mm. Kenny Martin, uh, Chauncey Billups. Um, to have done this since '99, uh, and I'll never get old. And I think what has happened has made me appreciate the game even more. Mm. I, I don't care if it's. Um, Cleveland versus Orlando. I want to go. You know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I appreciate the crowd. And I think the same thing is happening with players in terms of... Uh, I got. I did interview Steph face-to-face, Steph Curry, mm. the former Toronto resident. Yes, yes. So, um, we had to take rapid tests and everything. And uh, he... Acted like he was like, man, I miss talking to you, <laughs> miss seeing you around. Before Clay got Thompson got hurt, I talked to him. 
and he was like, man, didn't, didn't you interview me like right before I got drafted to the Warriors? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, we went to such and such restaurant. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, man, we should go to the restaurant again. Like, so I was like, wow, the players are starting to like even miss us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I'm like, when they go back, they're going to be signing every autograph, taking every picture. Man. Yeah. Um, this generation of players right now, like, that had to play through this pandemic, I, I think just the littlest things, even if it's a small crowd, you know, it's probably special to them. It means something to them, and, and they'll never take a playing in a game for granted, and I'll never, ever take going to a game for granted. Let's talk a little Toronto Raptors. I mean, obviously, as we're recording this, they're they're two games into the season, and and look, a lot of a lot of people on Raptors Twitter. I mean, you know, have have no chill, so to speak. You know, as the kids say today. I mean, you know, zero two start certainly unlike this team that's been so successful the last few years. And I think what I've noticed, Mark, and, and maybe you can comment on this as well, is just. How much they miss a guy like Marcus All. I mean, Marcus All leaves, Aaron Baines in now. And I feel like, again, small sample size, but the interior defense, maybe not as maybe not as potent and as physical as we once saw with this team for the last few years. I mean, well, you know, the combination of Mark and, and Mark and Serge yes. you know, being gone. Um I, I think the one thing that is hard for fans to do. Is you're you're so excited about the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. and the first week, if if it's great, like for the Cleveland fans and Atlanta fans, you're like, we're gonna win a championship. This <laughs> yeah, <year."> yeah, <laughs> right? it's like, true. Oh, they're juiced. They're juiced right now. Toronto, not so much. Um, but then you got to give a newcomer a chance. You know what I mean? Like Kelly Oubre struggling. Uh, you'll, you'll see other guys struggling, newcomers struggling, you know, and, and I think Marcus Stahl in, in a Laker uniform still seems pretty odd. But you got to remember, they they didn't get to work out with everybody like they typically would in the offseason, right? Yeah. Wasn't a typical training camp. I think if the NBA could go back, they or the teams could go back, maybe they would have played more preseason games. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it seemed a little... Rustiness, so I wouldn't beat up Baines just yet. Yeah, just wait. Now, if you're feeling like this in late January, then that's a different ball game. But for anybody that's a newcomer for a team right now, I, I'd, I'd have patience because the you know for the rookies there was no summer league. Yeah. So if a if a rookie is playing well right now, they're they're going to be really good. <laughs> like, yeah. Really. There's no summer league. They got a shortened training camp. Like, believe that they're probably pretty good if they're doing well. But for anybody struggling, whether it's a rookie or a veteran on a new team, just we all got to give them a, 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 a little bit of a pass for at least a month. Yeah, that's come late, yeah. Come late January, if Baines is struggling, then yeah, raise your eyebrow. Yeah, that's some helpful context, and that's something that many fans don't have is like just like the understanding that look this is such a strange season not a lot of prep time as you said no summer league so that obviously plays a factor into this but 
I just think what's going to be interesting this season to me for the Raptors is, is looking at, you know, Kyle Lowry, who still seems to be the ageless wonder. I mean, he's he's increasing in age, but still playing very well. And it's so impactful intangibles-wise on that Raptors team in terms of leadership. And Pascal Siakam. I mean, you, you must have seen Pascal in the bubble struggle, as we all saw. And I think you can just see that there's a newfound confidence there that, look, I want to, you know, prove that I'm still, you know, a, a star in this league. So I think those two players, it's just going to be very interesting to see, like, can we, you know, can Raptors fans still see them continue to excel on the court? Yeah. And, and another thing, speaking of the adjustment, too, for both of those guys in the Raptors organization, like they're in Tampa. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I was on one Zoom call listening to Pascal, right? And he just kind of threw me off. I'm like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. He goes, yeah, I got to go look for an apartment. Yeah. And I was like, that's right. They're in Tampa. Like, they got, they get a, a temporary apartment. Like, to, I, I hope somebody's doing a documentary on this Raptors team. Yeah. You know, to not play, not only not play with any fans, but not even be home. Like, what they've had to endure is tougher than any team in the league. Mm. No question. You're you're not home. You're not in your arena. You're not in your country. (laughs) And every game is a road game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe some Raptors fans are flying down to Tampa because I'm, Guessing in Florida where everything is open, you know, like, <laughs> they're able to attend games, um, and that probably means a lot for for Toronto fans to go down there. You know they they're risking getting COVID in the process by going down to Florida, but uh, I, I I don't know that any team has it harder, um, and I and I hope that instead of having an adverse effect on them, that it brings them tighter together is a part of the fabric of their, of what could be a successful season. I do, I do think the Raptors have the talent to make it back to the finals. Yeah. Problem is there's five other teams in the mm. East that can too. You know, it's, it's um, a great team in the East could make it to the finals or lose in the first round. Yeah. The, the main key for me I, is don't finish past one or two. Hmm. Because if you think about it, you got Toronto, right? Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, um, Brooklyn. I'm missing somebody. There's a Miami. Miami. Yeah. Which all six of those teams could represent the East in the final. Mm -hmm. Right? Seven and eight. You know, maybe there's an Atlanta in there. Maybe there's an Orlando in there. Cleveland may surprise some people. Um, Washington. Not, not that I'm saying those are easy outs or anything like that. <laughs> the, the days of uh, the easy road through the Eastern Conference that you know LeBron James enjoyed, those days are over. Yeah. Um, so I, I, that's where I think the Raptors have to certainly dial in because your goal is to finish first or second in the East and then go from there. If you don't, it, it, it's 
going to be a battle royal trying to survive throughout the playoffs. And, and it's, it's not that it was going to be easy at all, but your road certainly becomes a lot harder. No doubt. And, and another thing too, Mark, with, with the start of this season, what we're seeing and, and you saw on the bubble is just the rise of, of, of uh, you know, plethora of Canadian basketball talent. We, we, we saw Jamal Murray and what he did in the bubble with the Denver Nuggets. We, We've seen what Shea Gilgis Alexander with OKC start to the season. RJ Barrett. What do you think it just says just about Canadian basketball at the moment? Because it's not just the Raptors that are you know captivating fans across this country, but we're also seeing a plethora of homegrown talent also succeed on the court as well. I mean, Canada's to me proven to be probably the number two country talent-wise in the world. Mm. Um, You'll get guys from France. France certainly has some talent. Um, You're getting people from Africa, but Africa's such a big continent, you Mm. know, and a lot of the guys with African ties actually were born in the States. So Mm -hmm. um, no Germany have one or two here or there, you know, Spain will have a few here or there, but nobody outside the United States is producing out. Maybe I could be wrong, but I don't think anybody's producing more talent um, in the NBA than Canada is. So the question to Canada is, what happens in the next Olympics? Mm. Like, to me, this is just being realistic, even though we could step on our own foot. The United States just has too much talent. So we, we bring our A team, I think it's going to be extremely difficult to beat. However, if Canada brings its A-team, they probably could give the biggest challenge. But will they bring their A-team? I mean, they got a... I don't know if Nash... I don't think Nash is in charge of that anymore with his (laughs) new title. Maybe he is, but... um, To me, it's uh, inexcusable for Canada not to meddle anymore. I want to shift gear. Yeah. No, no, no. I think no. Look, I, I think for sure. I think with 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 the, with the depth of talent that we have, we should medal. The big question is just going to be, can we get all of the eligible guys to put on the red and white? I mean, that was a big question. I, I, Go. But that's what I don't get. Is like, yeah. Well, yeah. Like, I mean, I I agree like, with you, Mark. Why wouldn't they? Unless they're injured. Um, all the top guys in the U.S. come. Yeah. So, to me, I don't know if it's gold medal or silver medal or bust, but it at least has to be playing for the bronze or bust. Yeah. Like, if you're not at minimum playing for the bronze medal, something something's not right because, as you said, like, there's just too much talent there. I mean, with Murray and Wiggins and, you know, I could go on and on and on, and, and and I hear you guys got some young teen phenom coming up. Yep, Elijah Fisher. Yeah, so I got to get to you know know about him. There's just you got talent to fill an entire roster, a talent and have a talented roster. You got size, you got the guards, you got you got everything. I think Murray will probably be the star of the team. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Shea would be a, a you know good solid player too, but. It'd be Murray and, and a lot of other talented players to boot. 
Yeah, and like, and, and you got Nick Nurse coaching, who's you know the reigning coaching coach of the year, and I think he's a guy that certainly is can can rally the troops, if you will, and get guys to come play for Team Canada, which is which is big, right? Like again, convincing those guys to put on the red and white. Well, you got a guy, Nick Nurse, who, who's certainly very vested into the program and growing Canada basketball. Yeah. No, Nick's, um, you know, I, I got a chance to get to know Nick a lot more in the bubble, man. Yeah. He's, he's a good dude. Any he's good stories? Dude, Any good Nick Nurse uh, stories? Um, well, you know, uh, it's funny. I got this sitting right here. <laughs> so I, he, um, so I'm sure you've seen these. Of course. Yeah, these masks, I just happen to have mine nearby yep um and so the lady that did this mask um her name eludes me so i forget nadia lloyd nadia lloyd is her name yeah yes yes. shout out to nadia yes shout out for her um so nick's wife i guess she used to be one of their neighbors him and his wife's neighbor and when she made these masks his wife nick's wife made him aware of them and so he started wearing these, and I guess he bought them for everybody in the organization. Yep. And I, I was able to land my hands on one of them. And, but but I do think um, what that says, like for me as a African-American, for somebody that's not African-American, for somebody particularly who is white, to wear these, to buy these, and pass this out to their team, to me speaks volumes because there's always uh, – times where you know african americans or people of color will yell for help yep and it goes on deaf ears because sadly people are used to us yelling all the time yeah so when you see somebody white say hey this cause is important you know uh, black lives matter we need to help people of color we need to help women we need this world to be a better place and to wear a mask like this like you know nick did that that to me speaks volumes about him as a human being. No doubt, and and I think that's certainly one of the the lessons this year. And it's something that I definitely want to wanted to ask you, Mark. Is of course you were in the bubble and 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 you experienced you know you you covered the the restart, the playoffs, and you also you know covered the you know the Wildcat strike with 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 the Milwaukee Bucks. So. I'm just curious for you what what did you learn about that experience as a journalist and reporter, and how do those conversations that were had in the bubble, as well as the tangible changes that that arose from that, from the Bucks walking off the court, how does how do those conversations and that momentum keep going? That's a good question. Um, I. Applaud the Bucks for having the guts to do what they did, and mm-hmm. Jacob Blake was was shot in their state. So to me, it was only uh, poetic for them to be the team to do it, um, and it sparked something beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it not only caused the NBA to take a pause for three days and allowed the players to figure out a new um, What's the focus, you know, which ended up being voting, which ended up impacting the election. 
mm-hmm. uh, because they were about they were able to get uh, most of the arenas open for voting polls. And I talked to people who voted in arenas, and and uh, Georgia was one of the you know the State Farm Arena in, in Atlanta was one of the first ones open, and that certainly impacted the election greatly. Um, but then baseball followed, mm-hmm. NHL followed. You know, a WNBA followed, uh, Naomi Osaka followed. So there, there was history made in that, in that arena that I'm so proud to be a part of. I'm proud to be a bubble alumnus. <laughs> I, I, I could tell you stories all day about those three months. It's funny. Um, my reporter buddy said, man, I think you missed being there. And I'm like, there's certainly some things I do miss. Um, but what they did was historical. And I think as time passes, uh, people will give them more respect for doing that. To me, that was like, a John Carlos, Tommy Smith moment, mm-hmm. you know, Kaepernick moment, uh, a moment that's going to be in the history books for a long time. And uniquely the night before, which kind of has gotten lost is that the Raptors and the Bucks had a meeting mm. where they discussed doing the exact same thing. Mm. And we're going to meet again about it the day that the Bucks decided not to play. So it, it would have been interesting to see if if it was the Raptors and if the Raptors and Celtics had an opportunity to to play each other, would they have been the ones to do it, you know? Um, but the Bucks, it, it, it worked out the way it should. Last question for you, Mark, before we let you go. You talked earlier about the importance of, of building relationships, and you, you mentioned how some players like Tony Parker, Clyde Drexler, reach out to you, ask you how you're doing. As a young journalist or reporter that, that's breaking into this business and breaking into perhaps covering a sport like basketball, how important is is that process of developing those relationships and how long does it take for you to sort of feel comfortable with doing that? Because a relationship just doesn't happen overnight. It's, it's a long and an evolving process. No, it's, it's natural. I mean, having access to the players helps. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. You can't build anything right now. Um, I, I talked to an NFL reporter who was a first year covered NFL and, he, he said he was around the players one time at a, a charity event that a player got suspended. I mean, got fined for having. Um, so, but in normal times, those times in the locker room, those times in, you know, the practices, uh, those times where you might bump into somebody in a restaurant, those those all build relationships. And, and, it, and it's natural. It, it's all natural. It doesn't, like, I'm, I got to be really cool with Kyle Lowry. Mm. Um, Chauncey Billups helped that. And so, uh, and I don't think Kyle trusts a lot of people, but <laughs> it's all always about who you know. Um, having 20 years in this business and people reading my stories, maybe that makes them comfortable. Um, I remember w- uh, one player, like, who was a rookie, saying, uh, man, Mark Spears is interviewing me. And I was like... <laughs> Yeah, there you go. That's cool. You know what I mean? Um, So it kind of happens with times. A lot of times it's natural. Um, But 
we got to get act, we got to get healthy this world healthy and get access to the rooms because you know one thing that i've always done is i talk to everybody yeah it's not just the gm the president the stars no i've talked to the guy that's coming in and out from the g league as you know if you covered pascal siakam yep if you have that mentality as a reporter probably ended up helping you because mm-hmm. you remembered you talked to him when he he wasn't big yeah um I talked to the people that clean the floors, like the clean, you know, to sell the food, the ushers, the people per passing out the stats. Because um, you just never, one, I just like treating everybody the same, treating everybody great. Um, and two, shoot, I remember David Griffin, the, the Hornets president, I mean, not the Hornets, the uh, Pelicans president, when I first started, he was passing the stats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's the president so. Like I always say, you never know who you're talking to or who somebody could become. So it's it's good to be good to everybody, and you just never know who who had. It, it doesn't always have to be the big name to give you help or give you information. Um, so just just be good to everybody, man. It's like when your stuff blows up super huge, man. You know, maybe you still remember. Oh, I'll always remember you, Mark. You 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 know. You- you you appear on a, on a lot of our radio stations and TV stations here in Canada and always provide some great work. So Mark Spears is the senior NBA writer for ESPN's The Undefeated. Mark, I wish you all the best for the rest of the NBA season. Let's do this again soon on the Raptors Endgame Podcast. All right, brother. Happy New Year.